So I'd like to start by showing you a picture. Uh, this is one of the nice things about doing this is that I can actually share my screen. So can you all see the picture? Okay, good. So this picture is one that uh, Michael took of me while the two of us were sitting in meditation at Tu Hu Monastery in Hue, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And this is our root monastery for our tradition. This is where Thich Nhat Hanh went as uh, first ordained as a 16 year old young monk. And so, uh, you know, you look at that room and I don't know if you can sort of catch from the, from the photograph, it's an amazing place. It just drips with centuries of depth. And uh, it was such an honor to be there and to go into this space, this sort of dark space that was uh, all closed up that day and to be able to meditate there. And, and, I, and I had one of my most profound meditative experiences in that room, completely unexpectedly. So when I think of a sacred space, I think of this place. You know, this, I can't think of a more sacred space to me than this monastery. And, you know, we're sort of missing our sacred space right now. In, in, this, in this time, we, we're not able to meet where we usually meet in our meditation hall. And so I, I think about this and I'm not at that sacred space and I think about our sacred space and we're not in that sacred space. So there's a sense of loss and confusion, I think that that might be going around for us. I'll, I'll stop sharing that picture. So, um, you remember when I talked a little bit about Bodhidharma a while ago, our very first Zen ancestor that brought, brought uh, uh, what would be become Chan or Zen to China. And he was called before the emperor and the emperor asked him this question, what is the meaning of the Buddha's holy truths? And Bodhidharma's answer was empty, nothing holy. So, you know, he was saying that nothing is holy, nothing is sacred because everything is sacred. And just like Tu Hu is a sacred space, it's not the only sacred space that we have. So what I'd like to talk a little bit about is seeing the sacredness of this space that we're sharing right now, because it's easy to see it at a place like the monastery or, or at our meditation, a weekly meditation facility, not so easy to see it here. So this is actually a holy space. Now, when we go to the meditation hall, we have reminders that show us, that remind us that this is a holy space. So we have practices. We come in, we bow at the door when we come in. We bow to our cushion. We have an altar. We line up our cushions beautifully with love and precision to show respect to the cushions and to the space. So all these practices are designed to bring ourselves home to ourself within that sacred space and to remind us that this is a place where, ah, I can come back to me, come back to my, my deepest self. So they actually, this physical space actually makes physical changes in us. 
you might, you might notice or remember from entering that space that when you get to the door, there's a slowing down and a pausing. There's a, the breathing can slow down. It's really nice. It reminds us to take a slower pace. Reminds us to treat each other differently than we might if we saw each other on the street. But our meditation space doesn't have to just be a physical space. It can also be cyberspace. We just have to learn how to remind ourselves that this is also sacred space. So I wanted to um, discuss some practices we might use to remind ourselves that this connection across the internet and the space at our home that we're sitting are also actually sacred spaces. You know, like, like Bodhidharma said, nothing holy, which means everything holy. So it's easier for us to forget because our space that we sit in at home, you know, it might, we might be in, I see some people in their living room, some people in a bedroom, you know, art studio. These are spaces where we get things done, but not necessarily thinking about them being our sacred space, but they actually are. And so we can start to do things that remind us of that. So one of the things we might do is to enter our home meditation space in the same way we enter our formal meditation space. So could we consider when we enter that space to come together here, we do the same thing. We pause and we bow and we remember the sacredness. We slow ourselves down. We walk with full awareness to our cushion and the way we would be invited to do that in the meditation hall. We can make an agreement with the physical space we're in, in this moment right now, to remind us to do that. That might be an agreement with the, the carpet on the floor or the door handle that we touch or the light switch that we touch. When we do that, we can ask it, oh, please remind me that this is sacred. And so when we're, in, when we're busy and thinking about other things, that, that object can step in and remind us. Ah, oh, yeah, that is my intention. So we might also um, remind ourselves about this sacred space by, by honoring the supportive objects that are there with us. So we may, we may like to beautify the environment that we're going to sit in when we're together. You know, to look around and see how might I uh, make this space harmonious and beautiful in the same way we make our meditation hall harmonious and beautiful. So just maybe five minutes before you come to sit, you could, you could look at that. You might consider removing distractions from the space. I've seen some people, they'll take a, they'll take a beautiful piece of fabric and they'll cover their television so that, that the energy that draws you toward that television, you know, the, the addiction to getting angry at the, at the news when we see it or whatever it is, that, that energy is somehow taken from our direct view. We could turn off the telephone. We could remove other reminders of our busyness. And maybe there's a project sitting on the table that's calling us to get back to. Maybe we could find a way to take that project out of our view so that it, it doesn't 
have the energy of calling us out of ourselves. We could bow to our cushion or our chair, just like we do in the meditation hall. Ask it to remind us of its sacredness. We could, um, we could express gratitude to the computer that we're sitting in front of and the infrastructure that it magically uses to connect us. Yeah, it's just amazing. I have a, a friend I meet with that I'm co-teaching with that lives in Adelaide, Australia. And it's like, she's right here. There's not even a delay. It's just amazing. And so we could really express gratitude that, that this computer, this internet, this whole structure was developed and designed and built by people with so much expertise that they are giving to us to use for this purpose. And how fortunate we are for that. So that's one thing, um, is that our space is, is holy. But another big area that I'd like to, to uh, introduce is remembering that the Sangha itself is holy. The, the honor of meeting together and sharing each other's presence. When we're physically together, we can actually physically feel each other. We can hear each other's breathing. We can feel each other's presence. We don't have that here, but that doesn't mean we can't actually feel each other. But we have to be a little bit more intentional about it because we don't get that gift of another person's warmth right there next to us. So I'd like to invite us to um, find ways to welcome the Sangha into our hearts, to feel their presence in here just like we feel the presence through our skin when we're together physically, we can still feel the presence in our own heart if we're a little bit intentional about it. So I'd like to suggest that when we come and sit down together, that we take a moment to look around the screen and just pause for a moment and see each person that's here, to really see them you know, and to see their preciousness. It only takes just a few seconds but it, it can open our heart to them. We might enjoy calling something to mind about that person that we're seeing that's really wonderful. Some quality of those, theirs that's touched us uh, in some way. Or we might want to express some gratitude to that person in our heart, some thankfulness for um, their just being here. And during meditation, we might also enjoy doing something similar, which is while we're sitting together, we might try holding our eyes just kind of half open and allow our vision to take in the whole screen so that we can be aware, not necessarily of looking at any individual, but we can be aware of the Sangha as a whole and feel the presence inside of us. So for some of us, these, um, these kind of gatherings might feel sort of awkward or a little disappointing. I know I, I get kind of attached to seeing all you, of you physically and being together in our meditation space. And, um, so I remind myself when I start to feel like that, that 
the conditions for awakening are always sufficient, no matter what. We use this phrase, uh, this is it in Zen a lot. And this is it. This is it. It's not perfect. It's not what we might want, but that doesn't matter. Even in imperfect conditions, conditions are always good enough for us to wake up. So I wanna put that picture back up on the screen one more time. So, you know, you look at this picture and you can imagine that the conditions are perfect, right? I mean, here I am in this amazing meditation hall with so much history and so many ancestors there supporting us. But what you don't see is it was over a hundred degrees and it was a hundred percent humidity. When I bowed in front of the altar, I left a puddle and I'm not someone who usually sweats. Also what was going on there, the cicadas in the trees all started singing at once. And it's like one of the growlers flying over from, from the Naval Air Station. It's so loud, you can hardly have a conversation. So even this idealized image of the right conditions for us to, to meditate and, and touch our depth, don't tell the whole story. They are imperfect conditions. They're not, they're not what we think they are. But we know that conditions are always good enough for us to wake up. So I want to leave you with a question. We always, we tend to want to think about the external conditions, whether they're right, whether that's good enough for us to wake up, or good enough for us to practice with. But really the question is not whether the conditions for awakening are present. The question is whether you are present for the conditions. So are you present for the conditions as they are? 